We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. You know, it's 12.02 right now. If they want to fire me at 12.05, I'll go home and find something to do. I'll have a good day. Welcome to the Monday, November 20th. Watch this action. It's Tuesday. It is, yeah. Yeah, Tuesday, November 20th edition of the RotoWire NBA podcast sponsored by DraftKings. Of course, my name is Joe Bart. Alongside me is Google Me, Alex Perutha. There is a lot of NBA stuff to talk about, and hardly any of it has to do with the four-game slate for Tuesday. Uh, I, I think there's a lot to dive into. I, I'm going to try to incorporate a poll for the first time ever on our, on our okay. Twitter podcast here. Uh, I know that we'll also be discussing some trades and a little bit of DFS stuff, but let's first kind of go through... A bit of the less pressing news today. I think Alfred Payton out for six with the six weeks with a broken pinky finger. I don't know. There's not a lot to say other than I, I think that that probably hurts. Uh, well, Payton's value more than anything else, right? And I mean, I think it bumps up Drew Holiday's value. I mean, it's it's going to ensure that he has the ball in his hands a lot more. I mean, the the main thing is 
this isn't i don't think this is as fantasy relevant as it is real life relevant because the players that may get a boost are like probably like etwan moore yeah who's like a whose ceiling might be like the 95th ranked player if everything you know breaks right so this is more of just kind of a real life bummer for the for the pelicans Who's acquiring J.R. Smith? Because that was the next headline that came out of, well, I guess today's news, but really it's been kind of ongoing for the last couple of weeks. I know he's a shooter, like, and we talked about before the 76ers when we were discussing the Jimmy Butler trade, a guy like Kyle Korver or even Jimmy, uh, you know, J.R. Smith, Jimmy Smith. J.R. Smith makes a lot of sense, but his contract is relatively high. He is a personality, and we'll put that politely. Uh, I don't know if there's many teams that would really be serious about acquiring J.R. Smith to begin with, much less the fact that he's going to be out on a well, permanent vacation from the Cavs organization right now as they look to find a suitor for him. Right, and I think the main problem, like you said, he is a shooter, but that he's not even excellent at it. I mean, this year he's shooting 31%. Depends how much stock you want to put in that. But the last, the previous two years before this year, it was thirty-seven and a half percent and thirty-five percent from deep, and there are, there are a lot of guys who shoot better than that that are more classified as shooters. And if J.R. Smith's only hitting thirty-five percent of his threes, he's really not. He hasn't really been scoring in any other way for for the Cavs, and he's not going to play great defense. He's not a great passer. So, yeah, I mean, what do you even? I mean, what do you give up for J.R. Smith? It's just a team who needs kind of a warm body, like you know, Houston or something. Yeah, I saw a couple of reports that maybe the Kings would be interested in it. And I think it's more so that the Kings are the only team or one of the only teams. I think they're the only team that actually has cap space to acquire bad veteran players or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. So they're, they're going to be a landing point. And frankly, this is probably a good uh, launching point for what is going to be the meat of our podcast. And we'll get to it in just a little bit because I think there's one more newsworthy note before we discuss the Wizards. But the Kings are going to be a team, I think, that could play in as part of a three-teamer. Hey, okay, yeah, we'll see the Heat acquire somebody and the Hornets acquire somebody, and then the Kings are going to take on some extra salary. That's kind of what their role is going to be. And because they are one of the only teams or the only team with salary cap space, they can probably ask for a bit more in terms of draft capital than we've seen in years past because there just isn't anybody else that can really fill that void in the trade market. Yeah, I agree. I mean, most of, like I, I was talking to you before the podcast, Atlanta, Cleveland, and Phoenix have a combined eight wins. And we all know they have bad contracts on their books somewhere. Right. So all those teams are in play when you talk about three-team deals, which they're not always easy to put together, but um, NBA G- GMs are smart. They'll make it work. Before we touch on the Wizards, because that's kind of what we're leaning towards with this uh, John Wall and Bradley Beal news, this Mark Helfold situation has gotten mm-hmm. even more bizarre, it feels like, by the week. Uh, at the direction of his attorney, attorney Raymond Brothers, Mark Helfoltz is scheduled to see a shoulder specialist early next week. And according to Brothers, Fultz will not participate in team practices or games until after the specialist has had a chance to uh, evaluate him. Fultz was benched Monday night in favor of TJ McConnell, who helped lift Philadelphia to a 119-114 victory. That's the third straight win for the Sixers. When asked if Fultz was going to be the starter or McConnell going to be the starter moving forward, Brett Brown, the coach, responded with, I don't know, <laughs> after the yeah. game. It's, uh, yeah, it's a tumultuous time. I, I understand Fultz is the number one overall pick. And I understand that there are players that were quality players, Jason Tatum in particular, taken after him, which makes Fultz kind of even more egregious as far as where his slot was taken. I don't think he is a number one pick asset at this point. Like that is to say he is not a guy that 
is any part of a awesome trade deal where the 76ers to move him. And I don't think he's a asset that I'm jumping to acquire if I like on the low end either. This is a weird situation. Yeah. I mean, when I saw this report, it kind of gave me deja vu to last season because this feels exactly like what happened it, it, last year. It's like, it's almost, I mean, last year they were like, oh, he's injured. Well, he's not. It's just a confidence issue. Well, not really. Uh, and then all of a sudden he's like, I, I can't, my shoulder doesn't work. I have to go to New York and fix it. Like it's, it's, it's at this point you have to worry that it's just never going to get better, um, for whatever reason. And like a team might, another team might convince themselves that if they trade for him, he, the yips that he allegedly has will go away because the situation right. is different. But what do you even, I mean, even if you think there's a 50% chance of that, I mean, what, what risk are you even willing to take? Who's more to blame for the situation going so poorly? Is it the 76ers coaching staff? Is it the 76ers media, like the Philadelphia media, or is it in part faults in his representation? Like, I think you could probably make the case it's equal parts altogether, but I would be curious to hear what your perspective is on the three. I actually don't think this is the fault of the Philadelphia media at all. If anything, I think they've been kind of coddling him. Like anytime he does something remotely well, they like cheer for him and are like, no, I'm serious. Like they're very like it's extremely supportive of him. You hear the crowd go wild every time he makes a shot. I mean, that's not the issue. Um, I think a lot of this, I, I don't know exactly who to blame. I mean, the the 76ers, the coaching staff is giving him, have, have given him every chance um, I think that they could have. I mean, they they started him, they bring him off the bench, they play him 25 minutes a night, they let him take control of the offense a little bit when he's out there. It just, it's just not working. They, they, I mean, they have to kind of get this right. And the fact that they have to get this right is almost why it's going wrong. And that's what it feels like, in my opinion, that they're, there's weird ways. Like, if he's the number four overall pick, would the 76ers still be giving him this many opportunities? Would they still be dealing with, Raymond Brothers is a term like uh, just as it's a weird situation I have to imagine that if he wasn't the number one overall, number one overall pick this wouldn't be stuff that we'll be talking about on a Tuesday afternoon right and there is I mean there is a, an immense amount of pressure on him I think just the situation inherently I mean you're talking about a Philadelphia team that I mean this is the he was supposed to be one of the final pieces of like the process right I mean they had been leading up to this thing for years and they got Ben Simmons and they got Joel Embiid and he was supposed to be the third piece and just every single time he's on the court, just for that reason, there's insane pressure. And that might go away. Like they trade, you know, he gets traded to Orlando or something or some other team where there's essentially zero expectations of winning. Yeah, maybe things, maybe things turn around. Well, without a natural transition point, I'm just eager to <laughs> get fine. to this. I mean, we, we heard about John Wall and Bradley Beal. The Wizards have now reportedly made them available or at least listing to trade offers. And this is allegedly, I'm going to put that in quotes, allegedly the first time that that's the case. The Washington Wizards fined all-star John Wall for unloading a verbal barrage at coach Scott Brooks. I don't blame him for unloading anything at Scott Brooks at this point in both of their careers. Uh, and it was during a recent practice after teammate Jeff Green and Coach Brooks pushed Wall and other Wizards teammates to raise the level of intensity. Wall responded with a good old F-U towards Brooks and then uh, kind of seemed to prompt said trade potential offers for Wall and Beal. There's a lot to just unpack after that. I, 
I really went ham on the ESPN trade machine for this because I, I'm interested. I think they're one of the few assets after Jimmy Butler got traded that could change the outcome of how this NBA season is looking so far. And, of course, Bradley Beal's an all-star guard. We know John Wall is as well. But there's some nuances to Wall and his contract in the next years that make Beal probably the more attractive asset. So we both put together some trade offers uh, mm-hmm. for both players. I only have one Beal deal because I thought that was the easier one to make. So I want to try to make harder ones. And that was I appreciate that. where I went with the Wall conversation. So I'll, I'll lean over to you first with the Beal offers. And I, I think this is the best way we're going to get some Twitter interaction. So I'll post, I think, what will probably be the two or three best offers for Beal. And then the two or three best offers for Wall, and I encourage you guys, whoever's listening, to go ahead and vote, um, and we can kind of follow up next week after the holidays to see which one of these is better. And I know it's me. I know I'm going to have the better <laughs> trade machine offer put together. So, Alex, go ahead. Uh, what what are two or what are what are the two best Bradley Beal trades that you've put together, at least using the ESPN trade machine and your knowledge of the NBA? Um, I think I think Indiana should have some interest in Bradley Beal. Um, because they are in a position where they want to win. I mean, they have Victor Oladipo just playing hard every night. They're the three seed right now. And they have a situation at center between Turner and Sabonis that does not seem solvable. I think one of those guys probably long-term just has to end up somewhere else. I'm I'm team Sabonis as far as the better player, personally. But that's, that's besides the point. I mean, Sabonis is definitely, I think, the better player right now. It's just... Turner's upside with just with three point shooting, shot blocking center. I mean, that's kind of coveted right now. So I think um, Turner could, excuse me, Indiana could move Turner or Sabonis plus essentially fillers, Thad Young, Bojan Bogdanovic for either Beal or Otto Porter. Um, that would put them in a position to have a second, uh, if they get Beal, a second all star caliber player next to Victor Oladipo. Um, they still have a good center. Um, the the argument for Porter over Beal would be that you want the ball in Oladipo's hands and you need depth on the wing because they're running out like Bojan Bogdanovic right. and stuff right, like that. Right, so right. you might you may actually Porter may be a, a better fit, but um, the ages match up between Oladipo and and Beal and Porter, and it fits the kind of arc that that team is on. So. I think that's a um, a fair way to look at it. Okay, I like that one. Um, what's what's your next Bradley Beal trade offer that you think? So again, we're ranking these. We're going to do three trade offers for both Wall and Beal, and we'll have you guys vote as to which one uh, you think is the best one. So that that's number one in your opinion. Who's number two? I think I think Charlotte is Charlotte's in a very I, I don't know if similar situation is the right word. But Charlotte's 8-8 eight and eight right now. Um, they lose close games a lot. They probably should have a better record. Um, at least their kind of their point differential suggests that. I think they could trade a lot of their young core. I, I don't know if core is the right word, but they have Malik Monk. They have Jeremy Lamb. They have Miles Bridges. And if they could, I, I guess, essentially send those guys for Bradley Beal, they would have, like the situation in Indiana, another all-star caliber guard to put next to Kemba Walker. And then even if Kemba Walker walks, sort of pun intended, uh, they would have Bradley Beal there. And I it, just overall, it's signal, the organization signaling to Walker that they're serious about trying to make the playoffs and actually win a playoff series. And um, in the near future, I think 
I think that's I think that's something that both teams could get behind. Your your pun there, you needed a better delivery on that. That's, I know the Kemba Walker walking thing would have been fantastic if you gave it more of a lead in there. It just it, you almost kind of snuck it in there. Yeah, it's, why go on in the pun if you don't if you don't go all in? I don't. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I thought of it like a you know I did I wasn't even trying to do it as a pun, so it kind of like it kind of shocked me like as it, it was happening. You. Yeah, Google me Barutha just got shocked by his own pun. Okay. <laughs> I I'm looking at our rundown here, and I'm interested to hear this trade yet too. So maybe three tra- three trades isn't quite exactly what I'm saying, but uh, you have a deal with Beal and Porter. Mm-hmm. involved in it and i'm intrigued by the team that's inquiring both of those players go ahead and break that one down for me yeah so i think you brooklyn um the nets the nets they were this is a little interesting because they weren't willing to give up uh karis Levert to get jimmy butler but jimmy butler was older injury history stuff like that right. so i think what they might would be willing to do especially since they've been piling up assets and it's like for what um, they could hand over D'Angelo Russell, Karis LeVert, and Rondé Hallis Jefferson. They also have to throw in Damari Carroll and Alan Crabb for salary, and then get Beal and Porter. Um, I think for the, I mean, for the Wizards, just getting LeVert and Rondé Hallis Jefferson is huge. Um, D'Angelo Russell's a little, still kind of a flyer at this point, whether or not you'd even want to sign him long term. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if you're Brooklyn and your core is Bradley Beal and Otto Porter, you have you are in a great position to compete for the playoffs within i mean even this year um and next year and you have jared allen um and then free agency is kind of i'm not exactly sure how much money they'd have in free agency but um they would have enough to sign at least one player i think if you gave up those assets the nets would have one would have the ability to sign one player i guess i don't know certainly how the wizards would be able to do free agency wise or depend on what john wall's deal would look like Right, and if yeah. he was trade or not in that equation, I'm interested in that trade. I think that the Nets are probably giving up too much in that scenario, but it depends in large part on how Levert recovers from his injury. I mean, like, yeah, that's the thing too. I mean, he he missed a lot of time in college because of a foot injury, and now he's got this this leg thing, this foot thing, and he's he, you know, he, that's why he slipped in the draft is right. because he was injury prone, and so now I'm sure the Nets still like Levert, um, but. I think they would be, in this scenario, I think they'd be all right with giving him up. I guess you could make the argument for this trade. So, again, the Nets would be sending over uh, D'Angelo Russell, Levert, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, and then either Damari Carroll or Alan Crabb for salary purposes. They have to be both, actually. Okay, for both. Yeah, it's a lot, yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, uh, both Porter and Beal are $25 million deals for the next uh, subsequent season. So, I mean, that's you have to throw on both those guys. In that scenario, if you're talking about a championship-winning team— I think Otto Porter is at best your fourth your fourth best player and Beal's probably your third best player. With the Nets and those guys that they're giving away, I don't think anybody, any one of those guys is anything better than the fourth best player on a championship winning team. Uh you yeah, between like Levert, Ronda Hellas, Jefferson, right, all yeah. those guys. Yeah, I mean your hope is that just they're kind of one of them pieces. Yeah. Your hope yeah, they rotate yeah. You would hope they'd build into maybe fourth or fifth best player. I mean, Levert has clearly has upside. Right. Um, the Russell thing is complicated. Ronda Hellas Jefferson has shown some flashes, although he started the year hurt. Um, so that but at least keeps things intriguing for 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 the Wizards, and they know that those guys play hard. They'll at least be an exciting young team, and that's you know you got to still get people to the arena. Yeah, exactly. Well, okay, so you kind of broke down some of your Beal tra- uh, Beal trades, and we'll get to. John Wall, who I think is going to be the difficult one, at least as far as determining what value is for John Wall and what you want to kind of give up. 
my one Bradley Beal trade would be to the Lakers, and I think a lot of people are going to end up moving this and making this kind of direction go. Uh, I have Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Alonzo Ball going to the Wizards and then the Lakers just acquiring Bradley Beal outright for that. Now, this trade can't happen until I think it's either January or February when those players that signed deals during the offseason then their trade gets or their contract becomes fulfilled. So right. wouldn't be able to happen until then, which could make a difference. I, I mean, maybe we know where the Lakers' season is heading after two months and they just simply don't want to acquire Bradley Beal. But as far as getting another star player, a younger player, a guy that kind of works around LeBron James as more of a spot-up shooter potentially, at least when he would go to L.A., that would be what Beal's role would be. Right. I, I think that one works. I don't know if you'd need to send over a pick even if you're the Lakers, and I don't think you have to send over an additional player like Ingram or Kuzma to make sense. Like contract-wise, money-wise, this deal works out. I, would you – Would you? so if this deal happened, would you think it was fair? Would you think the Lakers got the better end of it, or do you think the Wizards would get the better end of that deal? I think I think this deal would be fair for both sides. I do too. Um, Obviously, that's what I put together. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, for the Lakers, you're kind of you're you're doing work to bridge the gap between like LeBron's age and the rest of these like just super young players the Lakers have. And Ball doesn't necessarily make the most sense with LeBron. We've kind of seen that already. Uh, ball kind of needs to have the ball in his hands. Um, another pun, uh, but just for the Wizards too, you would have. The the problem I think is you would also have to trade John Wall like immediately because having Lonzo Ball and John Wall on the same team that no it wouldn't work. disturbing, um, but in in theory just in a vacuum like I really I think that's a great trade to for both me, teams when when the Wizards is saying hey we're willing to trade anybody the very first name they're willing to get rid of is John Wall that that's kind right of, with the way that this is going tension wise with Scott Brooks and certainly. I don't anticipate him to be the coach of the Wizards moving forward for very long. Like I, I think he's probably his days are numbered as well. But I, just the way that that toxic, uh, toxicity has kind of occurred in that Wizards locker room, I think John Wall is going to end up getting the axe right away. And of course, what complicates this is that his contract, while it's only I think under twenty million this year, it's going to get bumped up due to that super max deal next season and there's a trade kicker involved where if you were to be moved this year it's an automatic 10 percent uh deduction cap penalty kind of deal so that's kind of what's in the way as far as john wall moving but i think that's exactly why they will move him because i don't think you want a 40 million dollar contract on the books if you're the wizards and looking at a rebuild that's going to last two three four seasons like i i think they're going to be pretty aggressive as far as getting rid of john wall and if that's the case well, then you don't have to give up too much. So that kind of is the lead-in to what I think is going to make the more interesting news. Here's what I'll preface our John Wall trade. Uh, well, I guess negotiations is probably the wrong word, but the John Wall trade conversation is, Alex, do you think John Wall is a important piece on a championship-winning team? I need you to answer that to me first. An important piece? Important piece, like top four. best, The fourth best oh, player on a championship-winning John team. Wall? Yes. Yeah. Right now. This year? Y- yes. Okay. Do you think in two years he is still that player? I I would say yes, but only because I, I think that some of his recent, like the past two seasons, last season he was basically hurt all year, yeah. and I think he came into camp this year kind of overweight and clearly just hating all of his teammates, or his teammates hate him. Clearly. Right. So I think maybe if he gets in a situation where it's better, that I think he can kind of elevate to the level that we know John Wall to be, which is yeah. an all-NBA player. 
um, even though it hasn't seemed that way recently. That's my thought too. So I, I didn't know if maybe I was super high on Wall yet and and just the public perception has shifted or whatever else. But I still think he has the potential to be a top 10 point guard in this league and certainly an asset to a championship winning team. So then you start looking around, okay, what teams are kind of making a run for it now? What teams could use a point guard for the next two seasons? After that, you know, I think a lot of organizations would say, all right, hey, we won a championship in these first two years with Wall. We can live with the fact that it's going to be a $35, $38 million contract in those final two years. Like that's kind of how you have to make sense of this. So with that being the case, my first offer that I'll propose to you, Alex, as far as the yay or nay or fair, the Heat would be sending over Goran Dragic and, uh, well, I always like to just call him Bam Bam. So let's go <laughs> with that direction. So they're sending Dragic and Bam for Wall and Markeith Morris also comes over in this deal. Markeith Morris has one year left in this contract, $8 million. To me, he's a pretty easy, he'll be traded as well. There's no reason for the Wizards to hold on to right. uh, what I think is probably a quality 3 and D guy at the power forward spot. And you kind of look around the league, there's not many of those players that are available under good contracts at this point. So to me, this is a deal that makes a lot of sense from the Heat's perspective who are competing for a playoff spot don't have a lot of draft picks that they have to worry about if they're tanking or not to kind of keep. Uh, and we don't really know. Certainly they could sign a free agent. I, I understand that. But they're kind of capped out if you look at their roster and how it's built where maybe in two seasons you'll get a guy like uh, Tyler Johnson off the books. And I think this deal makes a lot of sense if you're the Heat to acquire Wall. It pushes you into a different level as far as where you can be in the Eastern Conference. And uh, Markeith Morris shouldn't be dismissed as an asset too. Right. And yeah, I mean, Miami is six and 10 right now. Um, Wall would instantly become their best player. Like you said, they're super capped out. They won't be able to sign anybody of his caliber anytime soon. Um, I think they'd be okay with, with giving up Bam out of bio for that. My, my only concern would just be on the Wizards side. I think it's for them, it, it seems more of like a lateral move. And I think that's okay. Like you're just hoping that you trade for Dragic and the chemistry issues kind of get solved and you can just play better my my thought with this is again the wizards are waving the white flag already right Drogic's contract ends this year this is a essentially a salary dump but you're getting bam bam for potentially yes the one spot that they have been lacking and looking for for the last seven years it feels like whether we ran through the likes of gortat or dwight howard or whatever else you're getting a center that could potentially actually be something to your roster I think that's where again you're not you're just getting a salary dump essentially with Gordon Dragic, who could maybe change the chemistry aspect of your team. And frankly, you might choose to re-sign if you really wanted to go that route. Yeah, and I mean it would be really. I think everybody wants to see Bam Adebayo like start. Yeah. At center, and I mean, yeah, you bring up a good point. It's a salary dump, and maybe a third team could get involved and just take Goran Dragic right away, and like not even, you know, what I mean, like he could be even a waiver casualty to a buyout kind of thing where he goes to a different team. Buyout thing, some team that's competing that needs like just that point guard for a year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I get this move. This feels like a move that would happen in tangent, like with a if they got rid of Beal and and if they found a way to get rid of both Beal and Porter, that they could just do this move to. That that would be like the final, the final I guess nail on the on the head. All right. So here's the other other Wall trade that I have. Again, I think Wall is a competitive player. I think he'll make a a difference on a team, and I think the Wizards need to get rid of him this year. So any asset, anything that they can acquire, whether you can consider a salary dump an asset or not, you you know I do. But this is this. So Jazz are going to get John Wall, and they're going to give up Ricky Rubio and Epke Udo. Mm -hmm. That's it. 
Th- those are my two deals. So Goran Dragic <laughs> getting sent to the Wizards from the Heat. Again, salary, uh, salary dump. Same thing with Ricky Rubio. His contract ends at the end of this season. I think he actually could be a good chemistry guy. And frankly, as far as a pass-only point guard, he could make a little bit of sense if they decide to keep Bradley Beal around for the Wizards. Right. And we know he's a good chemistry guy. Of those two, which one makes which one do you like more as far as uh, well? I guess just overall as a trade, oh, the Heat one, the Heat one, J- only just purely for Bam Adebayo. Okay, I mean really, all right. <laughs> I mean, like because I I would be of the opinion that you you might keep Dragic. Like I would rather have Rubio than Dragic, just age wise with with Beal Porter. Like if you if you're planning on keeping Beal and Porter, I think you'd want Rubio. Um, and so I think, th- I think the jazz trade makes more sense if you're keeping ball or not ball Beal and Porter right. and the heat trade makes more sense if you're getting rid of everybody. One other nugget to put into play for the jazz Donovan Mitchell's contract coincides and his, well, I would assume to be a massive raise coincides with one ball's contract is off the books. So the jazz mm-hmm. are one of the few teams out there that could take a $40 million contract. They wouldn't again, be able to sign anybody of relevance, in the next couple of seasons, but Utah's not signing anyone relevant anyway. They're getting by with the middle-level exceptions and the, the Joe Ingles for $10 million a year kind, kind of players. This is your one opportunity to acquire a star, and that's exactly what he would be. I mean, they've missed a star player since Gordon Hayward gone. Donovan Mitchell is a star, in my opinion, but a star that's under contract for four seasons at under $3 million. So the wall deal, again, off the books as soon as Mitchell becomes – uh, eligible to to receive a massive extension, or at least when it kicks in. I I don't know. I think that one makes a lot of sense. I think both make a lot of sense, and I really believe the Wizards are going to be gung ho as far as getting rid of their star point guard. Right, and I mean Donovan Mitchell is he's great, but he's not really a point guard. Right, and um, I mean he's just his assist to turnover ratio isn't great. He's kind of having a down year. He's only shooting forty one percent from the field, twenty nine percent from three. So you kind of have to wonder if they're putting too much on him. And that if John Wall being there would help relieve some of that, though he could play, I guess, more effectively, mm-hmm. um, and especially be m- even more effective than he already is defensively, I think that that might be a gamble worth taking. All right, break down your one John Wall trade that you've put together, and then we'll have the listeners go ahead and vote as to which one of those is the best deal. Uh, I think if it's if the Cavaliers want to actually compete and not try to get rid of Kevin Love and all of that, I think they could trade Colin Sexton, Chucky Osman, and Larry Nance for John Wall. And then you have John Wall and Kevin Love. Um, and that wouldn't be an amazing team, but it would be like that maybe fifth to eighth seed team that it seemed like the Cavaliers were going for when they extended Kevin Love anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the plan. It just, you know, the rest of their team was bad. Um, and I think, I think if you're Washington, Sexton is interesting. He's been playing better lately. Uh, Osman, also very interesting. And Larry Nance could probably play center for you. And um, that would be worth, I think, experimenting with. Those are at least three young names that I think could interest the Wizards. I just don't know if you'd have to give up that much. I really believe his contract and everything else that we're seeing for the next three seasons following this year is going to make Wall an essential, essentially a movable piece for the Wizards, but they have to do it this year. Otherwise, I don't know when they're going to do it. And right. I think that in order for the organization to move on and kind of figure out what direction they want to go, getting rid of Wall makes almost too much sense, where even getting one of those younger assets, much much less three, and I think you could argue whether Larry Nance is a young asset at this point. But yeah. I, I think he still has some... 
I think there's still some value to him in today's NBA. Um, so to give up three is like that'd be a great deal. That'd be a coup for the Wizards, given the position they're in right now. Yeah, maybe it would be more like two of the three. Yeah. I guess it would depend on what the the money works as far as the ESPN trade machine suggests. That's true. But, you know, the Cavs have plenty of subpar yeah. contracts, so they could they, they Here's could Tristan Thompson. Oh, no, I don't want to do yeah, that, right. actually. George Hill. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. Thanks very much. All right. Well, before we get to Tuesday's four-game slate, uh, basketball season is here, and we partner with DraftKings to bring you a RotoWire six-month membership for free. So here's how it ro- works. Go to rotowire.com slash DraftKings. You sign up for a new account and make a $10 deposit or more. That's it. And you just get six months access to all tools and sports on rotowire.com. Not just NBA, but you get NFL, MLB. If you feel like you're into some DFS soccer, you get those tools too. And this includes DFS lineup optimizers, weekly rankings, premium articles, full season draft software, and much more. You don't have to pay to read Alex Barutha's uh, FanDuel or DraftKings articles, but you can certainly have easier access to them by having this RotoWire subscription. And it's all for $10, which you can then enter into contests to potentially win more. We're super excited to bring you this deal. And if you want access right away, go to rotowire.com slash DraftKings and follow the instructions. Eligibility restrictions apply and new DraftKings users only. So see DraftKings.com for more details. There's four major injuries for today's slate, and of course that coincides with four games. The first being Kyle Lowry is a game-time call after injuring his ankle Saturday against the Bills. Or Bulls. Boy, I hope he didn't play against the Bills. Uh, <laughs> he insists he's fine. Do you feel like Kyle Lowry is going to be able to play? And if he were playing, would you feel confident using him in your DFS lineup tonight? I would be I would be confident um, in playing him. I I feel like he'll play, but at the same time, like what do the Raptors really have to gain from throwing him out there if they think he's you know seventy five percent or less? But he it seemed like he was pretty confident that he was all right. Um, I guess your main concern is he already was shooting poorly lately, uh, so that having an injured ankle like does not help with that. But I think given his price on um, FanDuel and, and DraftKings. Um, I think he's I think he's in play. Uh, Gallinari is also questionable with an illness. He didn't play Monday. I don't know. I I feel like I watched that Clippers Bucks game and I thought he would have more of a more of an impact in the in the outcome of the game. He really didn't. Do you feel like and that was I guess last week, so it really shouldn't be an impact for his illness status moving forward. But do you feel like he's going to be an asset today if he were to be active? I think so. I mean, he's a the you got to check his price. I know like on FanDuel, for instance, I, 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 I couldn't play him. I think he's at sixty seven hundred if I'm if I'm not mistaken. And I he's really struggling to get past twenty five, twenty six fantasy points lately. Um, so definitely check on his price. I mean, you know, he's got thirty fantasy point, thirty five fantasy point upside. But they're, the Clippers have really started leaning on Lou Williams again mm. lately, and that's almost directly coincided with Gallinari's um, kind of down downturn lately. Okay, so Lou Williams more of the play even if Gallinari is active? Or, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that's kind of where I, I looked at the Clippers really, really hard as a team that could either acquire Beal or Wall. And to me, I didn't think they needed to really give up any of the young assets. At this point, you look at the Western Conference standings, and this isn't DFS related, but you know, general NBA talk. I didn't, I didn't know where their place was. And if you were to acquire a Wall or Beal, to me, that's signaling, hey, I'm trying to compete this season. I'm trying to compete next year. And I just don't know if that's where the Clippers need to take this rebuild. And that's kind of what it is at this point. 
it's i mean they're tied for the number one seed in the west right now so i like what do you and that's do exactly even, what i'm saying like yeah you you don't even i know they're doing well and you look at their team they don't really need to make any moves because they aren't ex- supposed to be here and yet right. they're here I don't, I don't know it's it's a weird thing if you were the clippers would you be trying to acquire a wall or beal at all I would I would want Beal or Porter, Beal which is pretty yeah. much. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that answer for almost every you know every Wizards related question. Yeah, I don't want John Wall at all. Right, and I mean the main thing with the the Clippers is they're kind of they're making. I mean their their big goal. They have a ton of cap space. Like I think they have two max slots this summer. Um, so you you kind of fill one of those up by by getting one of those two. I don't know if they value the flexibility of potentially signing a player or if they would rather not risk missing out and have a better base established with like you if you had tobias harris and bradley beal I mean, a lot of teams i think a lot of players would be interested in joining that or if you had somehow ended up with if I me mean, if you had a beal porter tobias harris situation i think there's plenty of players who would sign up to play i think it would depend on position flexibility as far as who's available to that could slot into that lineup and i think that doc rivers as a coach is an asset like as far as trying to bring your agents in I, I think you'd be like all right yeah okay i would like to play for doc and see what he can do and frankly this year is about as good of a resume booster as you could possibly have for a guy that's won multiple championships in doc rivers so yeah and they had a they have i mean when you looked at what how many injuries they had last year and the amount of minutes that certain guys played like Sandarius thornwell and like tyrone wallace for their team last year and how well they did i think they won 40 games or close to that it's just i mean that was that was just as impressive as as what's happening right, right now right exactly well getting back to the injuries for tuesday's four game slate uh dwight howard injured his gluteus maximus and he did not <laughs> practice monday he's a seven thousand plus center uh and a slate that is kind of devoid of those if he's available do you feel comfortable using him or and i i put this with about a million question marks in my tone of voice because <laughs> i'm hesitant but you know there's probably some out there who would say yes give me all the defensive rebounds and blocks i can get if howard is active yeah, I would just rather go like Jared Allen. Like, <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah, I think it's. I think I think they're pretty much the same price, like on the sites. And I just, it's he's he's active, he's available, and he can hit three pointers. Yeah, why not Jared Allen? Yeah, exactly. I, no, I, I I lean with that direction too as well. And of course, Goran Dragic, the star of my trade for the Heat and John Wall, which you can vote or will be voting when this podcast is live. And I should have mentioned earlier, but you can follow Rotowire Rotowire's Twitter handle. That should be able to. I'd assume be able to get you available to vote on those trades. Uh, he's expected to miss the next three games with the knee injury. Again, his involvement in that Wizards deal with John Wall that I proposed would probably more of a salary dump than anything else. And with Goran Dragic out, I think the Heat probably going to have to rely on more Josh Richardson. Maybe Magruder potentially falls into the starting lineup. I don't know. Who, who do you think is going to be the biggest beneficiary of Dragic's absence? Um, well, Wade is back now. Dwayne Wade's back, so that's important too. But I think generally it's been Josh Richardson because he starts at point guard or has when Dragic has been out. I think he's averaging about 35 fantasy points in the four games that Dragic has missed before. So um, I think his, his price has been moved up appropriately, <clears throat> excuse me, on most DFS sites, but there's still a lot of value there. Uh, the highest over-under for Tuesday's <clears throat> slate, Clippers at Wizards. 232 points the lowest over under nets at heat 215 points the largest spread for tuesday's four game slate eight points trailblazers over knicks and the smallest spread is a point the wizards favored over the clippers 
The Clippers have had the sixth hardest schedule and are tied for first in the West. And yet the Wizards are entirely dysfunctional. We've been discussing that this whole podcast. That's a bizarre line. That's a bizarre yeah. line to me. And I have no idea what the odds makers are doing there. I Yeah, I was going to like, I... Um, I should really check to see if this line has moved at all because it it sh- it shocked me when I saw it. Should it. is what you're saying. It yeah. should have moved by this point. I mean, th- yeah, like you said, the the I mean the the Clippers. Yeah, I guess maybe they've been over overachieving a little bit, but they've been playing hard teams or difficult teams, and I we know the Wizards are dysfunctional. You could have, and the Wizards might not even have Dwight Howard. Like you could have set this line at like minus nine point five, and I would have been like, well, maybe I'll still take the Clippers. <laughs> Like, because I mean, I, this and it's the, a pick them. How is it a pick them? I have no idea because this same thing happened. I mean, it was earlier in the year with I think Orlando was f- they were at home. Orlando was at home and they were favored over the Clippers. And I'm like, this isn't this isn't right. The Clippers are good and the just magic aren't that good. And I think the but, Clippers won by like 20 or something like that. Uh, Here we are. So we always give suggestions for you making money on DFS, but I think this is about the easiest money-making opportunity if you're just a good, cold gambler. Uh, And I mean, like, seriously, I'm I'm reading this out loud and I have... I'm, I'm about ready to have, hop on bravado or something like yeah, that, right. which we're not supposed to be saying. So shh, don't tell anyone. Uh, the three highest-priced players on Tuesday's four-game slate, Kawhi Leonard, $10,000 against the Magic John Wall, and I assume he's going to be playing, although if you told me that they were going to take him out as far as trade offers go, I would believe you too. 9800 against the Clippers, and Damian Lillard against the Knicks at 9600 To me, of those three highest-priced players, I love Lillard the most. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Kawhi, I just he ten thousand dollars is a lot to pay for a player, and you're kind of expecting fifty fantasy points out of them. And they have a lot of other options; they're pretty egalitarian. So, um, it's just it's just not my my price point for him. Um, yeah, Wall thing, I wouldn't. There, Sagaransky might get more minutes than Wall this game. Who knows? Like you may as well just stack the Wizards bench. Um, and Damian Lillard, yeah, against the Knicks. I mean, he's he's a guy. I I didn't look at the stats, but I assume he plays well in Madison Square Garden. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, that's not even a, like a DFS factor, but yeah, I could I can certainly see right. Lillard just showing out for the the New York fans, so, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, we'll touch on the this guy or that guy, and then we'll head into your lineup to conclude Tuesday's NBA DFS podcast. Really, just NBA podcast news. More of a John Wall, Bradley Beal podcast than anything else, which I love. I love talking trades, and thank you, NBA. We didn't say this earlier. Thank you, NBA, for providing so many trade-related storylines for the first seven or eight weeks of the NBA season. God bless you. Don't ever change. All right, so the guard position that you're kind of considering, I like both of these guys, which is difficult. So D'Angelo Russell at 7,300 against the Heat, or on the flip side, Josh Richardson at 7,100 Against the Nets, again, Dragic going to be out for the next three games or so, which means Richardson is taking over as the point guard for the Heat. Is there one that you like more than the other in this regard? I mean, I think I think they're both good plays. I would I would actually lean D'Angelo Russell here. So because I I'm generally more of a of a tournament a GPP guy, and I think a lot of people are going to be on. Um, Josh Richardson, and for good reason, because Dragic is out. Right. But they're also getting Wade back. They also have Tyler Johnson, who's been playing a lot. They also have Rodney Magruder. It feels like they have way more players available to handle the ball and potentially rack up fantasy points than the Nets do, who really, now without Karis LeVert, 
it's kind of just like D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie. So I I think you can I think you can go Russell here, and it's not exactly a zig when everyone else is zagging, but I think a lot of, I think most people, if they had to pick between the two, would take Richardson, and I don't think that's I don't think that's clearly the best. In a fifty fifty setting, do you feel a bit more comfortable saying Richardson's the play over Russell? Because I look at this and I say I need to have Richardson in my lineup because I primarily do the fifty fifties and double ups and whatnot, but. Uh, you know like you're more of the dfs expert in that regards than i am i will i will gladly concede that title over to you i mean i they are both good plays but richardson yeah i mean he we know he averages like 35 fantasy points Mm -hmm. when Dragic is out he's gonna be in the starting lineup he's gonna play 35 minutes i mean i assume he is and brooklyn is i mean they just don't really have anybody to defend him um so i think i think i think he maybe has a higher floor I think it's the best way to put it. Yeah, that's, that's how I'd probably say it too, which is why I seem to be gravitating towards Richardson. Of the Fords, Aaron Jordan at $6,900 against the Raptors or Montrez Harrell at 6600 versus the Wizards. Now, I have the benefit of foresight. I do have our rundown, and I have a few players that are in your lineup, but go ahead and tell the listeners of those two players which one you seem to like more. Um, I do have both in my lineup, but uh, I think this this may also be – I kind of want to say you could go Gorgon here, but Toronto is so good on defense that like it kind of worries me. And the Wizards have been, even with Dwight Howard, uh, they can't guard centers. And uh, we know that just Montrez Harrell has been on an absolute tear lately. And I was going to mention this later, but I'll do it now. I mean, you think about, we, we talked about this story earlier where Scott Brooks and Jeff Green were like, John Wall, like, try harder. Like, put some effort into this team. And John Wall was like, F you. I don't care. Right. Montrez Harrell is the literal embodiment of trying hard and hustle. And he's going against a team that just doesn't care anymore. I mean, this, from a, I don't even know if that's a game script. It's the most, like, strange game script ever. Um, but I think he could just absolutely, like, tear the, the the Wizards to pieces. Would you would you feel comfortable saying that he is double-double potential? <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, I, I do too. Like that's I said. It, I said it half jokingly because that to me seems. I mean, easily double double. He had. I think he had fifty DraftKings points the other night. Like it's. He's not going to hit ten times value, but I mean, he could get you eight, like nine even mm. on that price. Um, and that's his upside. And I think I think he in this matchup has more upside than Aaron Gordon, even though Aaron Gordon's you know handles the ball a lot, et cetera, et cetera, but. Toronto's not an easy matchup, so it could be a, a poor game for him. And you'll agree with me in the sentiment, given that you have them both in your lineup, but I think we're discounting Aaron Gordon just a tad. I understand the Raptors are, are a good defensive team, good team altogether, but somebody's got to score. This is an NBA basketball game, after all. And right. Vucevic can only get you so many points if you're the Magic. I can see Aaron Gordon still doing pretty well and getting at least five times the value out of his sub-7,000 price tag on DraftKings. Like I think that's going to be—I think both are fantastic plays, and I understand we're all getting excited about Harrell— for what he could do. Right. And I think it's fairly easy to say we know what Gordon is going to do, and that still has a, a role when you're setting your fantasy lineup. So we'll move over to the center spot for our this guy or that guy, kind of the conclusion of that. Serge Ibaka in can I call this a revenge game? This isn't it's not really yeah. re, it's not really a revenge game though, is it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I okay. Don't know. It's, uh, a, uh. it's a revenge game, yeah, maybe. Six thousand dollars against the Magic and Jarrett Allen, fifty seven hundred against the Heat. You already mentioned how much you love Jarrett Allen, but go ahead and we can talk another minute and a half about how much you love Jarrett Allen even more. <laughs> um yeah, I think I think you the three hundred the, the three hundred dollar difference may just 
have me lean towards Jared Allen, especially since they'll, I think they'll have to, I mean, they'll have, they, the, the main issue with Jared Allen is that his minutes have fluctuated, which fluctuates his production because he averages, I think, 1.2 fantasy points per minute. So if we can assume that he's gotten, that he gets 30 minutes, he should be good for 30 fantasy points. And he's gotten 28 and 31 minutes in the past two games um, after being out two games with an illness. So, and Ibaka is kind of in that same way where if he gets the minutes, he plays well. Um, but I think Allen, they'll need him going up against Hassan Whiteside. Uh, so I think I, I like him here, but I honestly like both. I think Ibaka still somehow flies under the radar because we keep hearing so much about like Pascal Siakam mm-hmm. and, and all that. And Ibaka is like having a resurgent year. So, yeah, I, I have a, I have a difficult time picking between the two. I think it's Jared Allen, though, at least the $3 savings. And you mentioned that earlier. It's kind of the way I lean in that direction. But nothing against Ibaka and uh, in the eh kind of revenge game narrative, there's potential for him to go off. So do you want to kind of break down your lineup quick before we head off today's broadcast? Yeah, sure. Um, So at point guard, I have Lou Williams at 6,200 against Washington. Um, Like I mentioned kind of when we were talking about Danilo Gallinari, Lou Williams, he's been just – he's he's back in his Lou Williams from last year mode where and he's not even shooting that well I think he's shooting like 36 percent over the past eight games or something like that and he's still putting up 30 35 fantasy points consistently um and I think he'll be able to smell some blood against Washington and and I think 6200 is a steal how is that game a pickup how how I all right sorry I'm I'm interrupting I, I I'm, I'm stunned that's all I'm gonna say the Clippers are gonna score 140 yeah, points this is bad all right um <laughs> Uh, D'Angelo Russell uh, at seventy three hundred against Miami. Uh, we can't, we touched on that already. Aaron Gordon sixty nine hundred against Toronto. Kind of touched on that. I think his price hasn't quite caught up yet to how well he because he started off the year very slow, and he's picked things up recently. And I don't think his price has quite adjusted. I think he'll get there soon. So I'm playing him while the value's still there. Jonathan Isaac at thirty five hundred against Toronto. My guess is they'll play him as much as possible to guard Kawhi Leonard. And um, we've seen Jonathan Isaac put up 30 fantasy points before on multiple occasions. So, I mean, you wouldn't, uh, he could go 10 times value. I mean, really, uh, it's possible. And there's not too many guys you can say that for. Uh, Jared Allen at center for me, 5,700 against Miami. We discussed that. Um, I have Tim Hardaway Jr. at 7,200 against Portland. Um, He, at this point, is the only consistent member of the Knicks um he's gone for 40 fantasy points um recently i think almost twice in a row um and i just portland's been good but i just it's just one of those things where you he's their only consistent player right like you can just throw him in your lineup every single night almost and he could go for 40 fantasy points um and then we kind of talked about Serge Ibaka already at 6,000 versus Orlando, but he's another guy who we've seen not only put up 30 fantasy points often, but 40. Um, and if you like the revenge game narrative, um, I guess uh, that one that one could swing you. And then finally at Utility, at Montrez Harrell. And yeah. we talked about, yeah, we I mean, um, not 10 times value probably, but I mean, he had 50-plus DraftKings points in the in the last game against Atlanta. Um, I think... I think with the Wizards just kind of hanging their heads and slumping over and just like bad body language that Harrell's going to come out just losing his mind. I could absolutely see Scott Brooks while coaching at one point mutter to the point where we can see it on air say, I wish I had that guy on my team. He tries. 
Right. Which might be too many words for us to lip read unless you're an <laughs> expert at it. But, hey, I would love to see that. That would be hilarious given his hustle and his uh, – well, his promise as a player. Well, it does it for us on the Tuesday NBA podcast. Uh, one, I guess, scheduling note with the holidays kind of creeping up. I'm not 100% positive if there will be another one with – another NBA podcast with Nick Whalen coming up. I do know for certain they will not be a Friday podcast. That means – Ken K. Train, Kreitz, and Shannon, and the rest of the crew, they'll not be active. They will be, uh, well, sitting out, not due to a butt injury like Dwight Howard, <laughs> but more just due to, uh, well, full stomachs probably after of a, of a holiday tradition. So, yeah. Uh, and yeah, and you can also, again, vote on those trades, which should be active on the RotoWire Twitter account. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports and see those up there, or you can Google Alex Barutha, mm-hmm. hence the Google Me Barutha, <laughs> and find his Twitter account and let him know how much worse his trades are as opposed to mine. That'll do it for the Tuesday NBA podcast, and we'll see you next week. We'll go over kind of more of the well, – we'll go over the final results for that uh, trade options, and then yeah. we'll discuss hopefully more trades that might occur hopefully. hopefully over the holiday weekend. So stay safe, and everyone enjoy some ham, not turkey. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.